Welcome to Antitrust Code by Concurrences. Concurrences is the leading antitrust database, with over 30,000 articles on competition law. Concurrences is also the largest network of antitrust experts, with lawyers, economists, enforcers, and academics in 85 countries. By listening to this podcast, you will learn the fundamentals of competition law and hear about the latest antitrust news, thanks to our guests, the best experts in the antitrust world. everybody. Welcome again to our series on foreign direct investments. I'm really very delighted today to welcome uh, Damien Levy, who's the head of tech Secu- and security FDI screening unit at DG Trade at the European Commission. I'm also welcoming my partner, Paul Johnson, who is based in our Brussels office. We have an excellent topic to discuss today. Uh, as everybody knows, Although there is no screening mechanism per se at the European level, we do have a regulation um, that has been in place uh, since October 2020, which coordinates foreign direct investment screening through Europe. And this is our very first opportunity to speak to Damien about uh, how everything is going. So Damien, you head the team at the European Commission that's in charge of foreign direct investment screening process. I understand that you built your team from scratch because this is a new area for the Commission. So I wonder if we could start by me asking you to explain what your team does on a day-to-day basis, given that the regulation itself leaves decisions on foreign investment screening to EU member states. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Let me answer the, the question. What we do every day is we receive cases notified by a member state that is screening a transaction. The notification goes actually to the network of authorities, so 26 other authorities and the European Commission. We look at the notification, we then transmit it within our internal network of experts within the Commission, depending on the subject matter. So an energy case will also go to DG Energy colleagues, a transport case will also go to DG Move colleagues, and so forth. We animate discussions among experts within two to three days, usually. Because when a notification arrives in the network, the 26 national authorities and the commission, we have only 15 calendar days to decide whether or not it's potentially sensitive and to ask questions to the notifying member state. So we'll try to clarify certain things if needed with the notifying member state without waiting the 15 days. If we see that the case has another dimension, then let's say it's a French case notified to the network but there's a subsidiary or there's a sister company in another member state, we will reach out to that authority in that other member state to ask whether the case is actually pending with them, if they have a screening legislation, whether the case is potentially sensitive or not. And if it's more than two member states, we'll try to organize also informal conversations. After the 15 days, or before the end of the 15 days, we have to decide whether or not we ask questions or whether simply we close it. If we ask questions, then the file, the clock is stopped, is closed. The file is back to the national authorities. I mean, back from the European perspective, the file has been continuing at uh, the national level. Once we receive the answers, and that can be within 24 hours, within a week, within a month, within two months, depends on a variety of factors. Also, the responsiveness of the parties to the transaction. 
Once we receive the answers, we have 20 calendar days to decide whether or not it's really sensitive. And we think the security of two or more member states is likely to be affected, or if an EU uh, critical asset is also likely to be affected from a security perspective, like the Galileo program, it also be a trans-European network for, for transportation, for telecommunication, then if needed, we prepare a commission opinion that would be transmitted to the notifying member state, uh, laying out uh, the information we've gathered and our assessment of that information. Now, in practice, what we try to do is converge as much as possible with the notifying member state and the other member states so that we make sure we all have the same set of facts. We agree that these are the relevant facts. We agree how we interpret the facts. And we try to agree also on the, the consequences or the, the analysis of all that. And that makes for an informal, but I think quite effective process. So that's, in a nutshell, what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Thank you very much. I must say, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about the degree of coordination there would be between you and the member states, but obviously that's what's happening. So that is really very interesting. Now, I know that you're probably not able to comment on the number of cases that you've been handling because we're talking about foreign investment and national security. But are there any statistics that you're able to give at a sort of a very high level, you know, European-wide, uh, for example, around the cases that are, have been handled since October 2020? If not, I know that you're going to be publishing an annual report in October, November. Maybe you could let us know what kind of information will be in that report? Yes, for the moment, the number of cases we're handling is uh, confidential information. Also, because at national level, that information is confidential. And in a way, we're only aggregating national information. In our annual report, we will publish the number of cases we've handled in a certain period of time. The, the report will have actually a, a couple of parts. First, we will uh, describe in broad lines the foreign investment that has taken place in two years, basically since the adoption of the regulation in the spring of 2019. Second, we will describe the legislative activity in member states to show in a way that these are the foreign investments that have taken place, but then these, are also been, these have been the policy responses among member states to what's happening. And you will see there an increase of the number of legislations in place, but also, I would say, a widening of the scope of national legislations in place. And then we will describe what we have been doing in the network collectively with the, the network authorities and the European Commission. Um, the number of cases closed in phase one, these first 15 calendar days, the number of cases going to phase two. And we'll try to say a little bit more about the, the nature of, of cases. And then we'll have a part on uh, looking forward on how we see the, the way forward on this uh, regulation. Now it's, it's very new regulation. It was never done at European level to have this coordination. The Commission had never really looked at these cases being screened for security. I think that's important. Also, we will try to illustrate the convergence in terms of proofing screening cases on the basis of security, which I think is, is very important. Just wait a little more, and then you'll have this interesting information on the number of cases. But I don't think you'll be surprised, because if you know the number of cases handled by the member states with screening legislation, you just add up the numbers. Babe. 
Yes, nevertheless, it sounds like the report is going to be essential reading. As you say, this is a very new area. The coordination piece is new. And so I, I think we very much look forward to reading that report. So, so thank you for letting us know what's going to be in it. So, Paul, if I can turn to you, you I know you regularly work with our pan-European team of foreign direct invest experts on cross-border transactions. I wonder if you can just describe briefly the experience on the ground to date. And if I can perhaps put you on the spot, how would you assess the new regime in terms of, you know, for example, speed of approvals, the additional burden caused by the EU framework, and maybe uh, some information about confidentiality? What's our feedback so far, Paul? First of all, thank you, Damien, for kind of agreeing and, and kind of giving your insights and kind of the report sounds fascinating. I think our feedback so far has been one which is this is a new system that has worked remarkably well. And I think Commission and Damien and his team should be congratulated on it, frankly. I think there was some nervousness before it went live as to what this would actually mean for transactions and kind of how would the process work and how a kind of a regulation would come to life. And it has worked remarkably well. I think what we have seen is a significant increase in coordination between member states and the commission. And I think between member states themselves, I think we certainly had experience or kind of an individual member state raising concerns about a transaction notified in another. So I think the coordination process has worked very well. I think in terms of kind of advising clients and in practical, what does this mean for a transaction? I think it's the need to really identify and think about where you're going to be notifying the deal because other EU member states will become aware of it. So I think it's that kind of, let's make sure we file where we need to file. And really kind of if there's any, you know, any kind of balancing ones, like, well, that member state will become aware of. So it's perhaps better to file from the beginning. And then it's timing. And I think that goes down to kind of like getting your filings prepared and identifying where you are filing and starting the process as soon as you can, or at least being aware in terms of the deal transaction that there is there because of the referral process, there may be a little bit extra time. And now that obviously depends on which member state you're looking at. I think some member states, they've always had a, a long time period to review transactions. So it's had no real impact. In others, perhaps they had a one month period to review that may now have increased to two and a half months. And I would say overall, over the last, you know, as, as Damien has flagged, you know, there has been essentially an increase in the number of member states with a kind of a foreign investment uh, regime to look at transactions. And those with an existing regime have been kind of refining and altering the scope. So deals that perhaps weren't necessarily caught previously were now kind of are now being called. But I would say kind of overall, it has been a remarkably good process. And I think it's just, we've just had to flag with clients. There may be an impact on timing. This can be managed. You need to be aware that the kind of coordination is going to occur. So we need to think carefully about where you're going to notify. And then to, to date, yeah, no real concerns from our side. Any, any thoughts on confidentiality, Paul? Watertight. So I think in terms of confidentiality, I, I almost didn't mention it because it's just, it has been completely confidential. Thank you. So now I think the feedback is pretty good. Congratulations. I wonder though, uh, just to test this, whether in fact there's been a case where the system is, let's say, stress tested because of the views of the Commission and various member states on the investor risk diverge, you know, for example, due to political considerations. I, I don't know if there's anything you can say about this. Um, thank you, Sam. First of all, I'd like to come back to a bit what uh, Paul has said to uh, thank him for his feedback. That's really useful. And 
also in the annual report, we'll try to take stock of the feedback received uh, from the member states, which I must say has been quite positive. And of course, we have to learn to work together. And you know, in the beginning, I used to say to everybody, don't worry, we're doing two things. We're doing our job and learning to do our job. Uh, now, I, I, I used to say we do our job and we learn to do our job better. And we learn also to work better together. And I think that really works. Member states have become aware of transactions with impact on their territory, thanks to the network. That was the whole idea of the regulation. There were, in a way, two blind spots. One with the previous system, with a few member states looking simply at transactions on their territory. It was others were not aware that they were screening. And the screening ones were not looking at the impact beyond their borders, or very rarely. So that really works. And then we're also protecting the EU critical assets. Now, stress tests, of course, I cannot comment on individual cases. I must say overall, the spirit is really good. And the fact that the legal basis is the same for everybody, which is a security legal basis, it's, it's not competitiveness, it's not national interest, which can go in any direction, ensures that there's a real convergence of views. And as I said, once you agree on the facts, on how do you interpret the facts and what are the consequences of that, you really reduce the risk for any stress test or any stress uh, situation. So, you know, let's hope that continues like that and we'll see. I think the member states and the commission are used to working in sensitive matters in many areas of economic activity and political life. And so I think we'll manage that. We have, you know, long experience to do that. Great. Perfect. So, of course, when you look at it from our client's perspective, you know, they already had the sort of whole merger control system in place. And there's a, a lot of uh, activity that has to go on there to get deals cleared. This is a whole nother sort of set of challenges um, for our clients. And so I wonder how you see what you're doing fitting in with merger control it, is there some kind of exchange of information between you and DG Comp or indeed the national competition authorities? How does that work? I would say we know we both exist, but it doesn't go much beyond that. Their system is watertight. They don't share information about cases they're looking at. We don't share information about cases we look at. And so we follow the same procedure at national level and at European level. And yeah, we'll, we'll need to see what that produces. But if, uh, and I think it would be interesting to hear back from practitioners, people involved in actual transactions, whether there's anything to be improved there. But these are two separate processes. In certain regulated areas, you have an additional regulatory approval in financial sector, in energy, in some other sectors. That's just another one. And I think it's here to stay. So I think the security focus was lacking at European level and in many member states. And so I think now we are heading towards a situation where all the member states will have a screening legislation for security and will ensure, uh, slowly but surely, more convergence in, in how we look at cases from a security perspective. Yeah, I certainly agree with you that I think this sort of complexity is here to stay. And so, Paul, if I can turn to you, you know, as a practitioner helping clients deal with this complexity in their cross-border deals on a day-to-day -day basis, what, what advice would you give to investors looking to acquire European assets? And, and do you see anything else coming around the corner that would indeed increase the complexity further? Thanks, Sam. I think, you know, Damien's kind of point about them being two separate systems is, is absolutely correct. I think they are looking at almost different things. From, from our perspective, there's certainly been, you know, from a practitioner's point of view, you know, 
he just for foreign investment and just the same with merger control is ensuring that everyone is kind of aligned, well prepared, fully coordinated. So if you have multiple foreign investment filings in different member states, you know the status in each one. Sometimes helpful to be able to say we have obtained clearance in member state X to the other member state. And that same also goes for kind of informing almost the merger control authorities as well. If you have a foreign investment filing to say, actually, we now have obtained clearance in this, you know, in the same jurisdiction. So yeah, this is just so you're aware in terms of what else is outstanding on, on this transaction. And the fact that it is a separate issue, it is a separate test, but it has been reviewed by a kind of a governmental body and it has been kind of approved or no issues have been raised. Looking forward, the Commission has proposed kind of a new regulation on foreign subsidies. We anticipate that that is kind of going to be for kind of non-EU firms investing into Europe, that is going to be another area that they're going to have to consider. I think at this stage, it is still a kind of, it's almost worth a separate podcast in itself, but you could certainly see kind of those large M&A deals that we often deal with, with multi-jurisdictional issues it will be another thing that they will have to deal with. So you'd have a merge control assessment to consider, foreign direct investment filing to consider, and then you know, will you have a foreign subsidy investment also to consider? We know that the kind of the expected regulation to hope, well, the commission is aiming for the regulation to go live by the end of 2022. And we know that they're kind of anticipating kind of a team or staff of about 145 people. So it's certainly something to be aware of and to consider, and it will have impact on kind of M&A deals, joint ventures, and also potentially kind of public procurement transactions. So another wrinkle, but I think kind of with, with good planning, real identifying of the issues is again, something that should be frankly manageable. And it is one of those things that, you know, when you're doing business, just like you have now merge control, foreign investment, you will have soon have one subsidy to consider as well. Gosh, we'll watch this space. I certainly agree with your suggestion that uh, there will be more material in the future for future podcasts. And even some of the topics that have come up today, I find myself really having to hold back on being questions. One was uh, Damien's comment about the fact that everybody in this system is very focused on national security and doesn't think about industrial policy and economic security. But I'll respond myself and I'll ask you Damien one final question. I'm interested to know particularly coming from the UK about the extent to which you coordinate if at all with foreign investment screening authorities from the EU. Of course I'm thinking in particular of the UK with its new National Security and Investment Act coming into force on the 4th of January next year but also you know some of the more established regulators who've been doing this a long time like CFIUS in the US and FERB in Australia. So first of all, you know, how do you, if at all, coordinate with those authorities? And do you one day envisage something similar to the international competition network in the competition space where, you know, the regulators from around the world have got a pretty active sort of trade association? So perhaps I can ask you to comment one final time on this. For the moment, we, we've been having exchanges on best practices. You know, when we set up our regime, we talk to our member states and we talk to a few authorities around the world to know how to do it. And I think so far it stayed at that level. We have some discussions in the G7. There's a group of investment screening experts. The thing is, on individual cases, we're all bound by very strict confidentiality obligations. So there isn't a possibility to discuss cases Whereas that possibility may exist in the competition area if on the basis of a treaty or some kind of agreement, and sometimes the parties waiving 
confidentiality. That does not exist in, in our area. Whether this will happen in the future, I think let's see. Let's see whether there's a need to do that. I think, first of all, within the European Union, we still have a lot of work to do to set up this kind of network further and help all the, the recent authorities, the new kids around the block. In a way, I feel a bit more experienced now than I felt a year ago as we were really new kids around the block. And let's see, I think we are pragmatic and we have an open mind, but there are very strict legal obligations, which are very important for companies, but also for the countries themselves. So I think, let's see, I think it's way premature to envisage anything like that. Thank you very much uh, indeed. And um, I think it would be lovely to invite you back in a year's time to see the progress that you've made with the European system. But for now, I'd like to thank you and Paul very much for participating in this discussion with me. I certainly feel like we've got a much better understanding of how this European system works in practice. And so thank you very much, uh, Damien. It's been wonderful. It's been fascinating. So that concludes this particular discussion uh, and um, look forward to speaking perhaps this time next year. Thanks, everyone. Thank you very much. Bye. You listen to an episode of Antitrust Code by Concurrences. If you want to read more about this topic, check the Concurrences website, where you can find all relevant articles. Follow us on Twitter at Competition Loss and join the Concurrences group on LinkedIn to receive updates on our next podcast.